Today we are celebrating uh, a fifth Sunday, and uh, basically uh, what we have uh, chosen to do, uh, something that's becoming a bit of a, uh, of a tradition around here, this is the third time we've done this, is that every time there is a month that has a fifth Sunday in it, we come together and we have some fun, we celebrate, we eat some food, uh, tell some testimonies, have some baptisms, and we come together as a church to really uh, help create the, the culture of family that we so want to have here. I want to tell you something, and this, you know, whether you, you attend here regularly or not, I'm going to pastor you really good for a second, okay? <laughs> Church is so much more than just hearing a sermon and singing some songs. Church is a family, it's a place to belong. And we, we want to build that here at this church. We want to we be about that. I believe that when you read about the church, not just in the New Testament, but in the years that followed, I mean, they needed each other. It was a family. They, they, they relied on each other to stir their faith up so that they could just make it. And so we believe church is that. Uh, we have a vision around here that's built on six main pillars. Uh, one of the pillars is that we want to know God. That's a pretty good one. We want to make God known, number two. Number three, we want to do church as a family. Uh, number four, we want to cultivate the presence of God. Five, we want to raise up a generation of young people. How many know that's important? We want to raise up a generation of young people in the way of Jesus. And then number six, we want to be a church that goes all in. Uh, we, go, we go all in in terms of, of uh, our local church, but in terms of the kingdom of God, we want to go all in. We don't want to just have one foot in, one foot out. We want to be people who are driven by the kingdom of God and the ideas and the thoughts that are on God's heart for, for the earth. Amen? And so uh, today, Fifth Sundays are set aside specifically to kind of lean into that idea of doing church as a family, doing church as a family. Now, if you're a guest here this morning, I want to just welcome you because today's going to be a little bit different uh, than, than a normal Sunday is around here. Um, and, and part of, you know, when we were de designing these, planning these uh, in the last quarter of 2022, I was probably the one that was the most hesitant of doing this. Um, I, don't, I don't know why. I just, I just kind of thought of all of you who would be guests, like not today and future Fifth Sundays. I was like, well, man, that, that, that's going to be weird for them. And, you know, the more we talked about it as elders, um, as some of our pastors, um, I started to think that this might actually be the best day for somebody to visit our church. Man, you can, you can, you can go watch some sermons online if you're interested in that. You can pretty easily figure out what our, our typical Sundays are normally like. But today you can come in and you can experience as a guest like, like the kind of culture we're trying to build here, the kind of, kind of family we really want to be, the way we want to do church. And so I hope you feel welcomed if you're a guest and that you're, that you're uh, like part of the family. The third pillar, doing church as a family, is really built out of these scriptures in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Uh, Paul writes and he says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. And then verse 15 right here. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. And so today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend some time you know, being happy with those who are happy, rejoicing with those who are rejoicing. We're gonna hear some testimonies of the great things God has done, and we're gonna celebrate with some people who are getting baptized here today. 
um, you know, sharing your testimony, which is really what's happening um, with baptisms. I mean, you know, that's a testimony. Like it's glorifying God of what he's done in their life. Um, sharing your testimony, it gives glory to God, but it also helps you heal. It brings us all kind of closer together as a family. When I hear your story and I'm like, oh man, I thought I was the only one. It brings us closer together. Sharing testimonies are a way to help bring us all closer and to give glory to God for all that he's done. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, they overcame him, the enemy, the devil. They overcame him two ways, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So this is how we overcome the enemy too. You feel sometimes he's crouching in closer and closer. He's taking ground. The way we overcome is by the blood of Jesus, right? That's an obvious, but by the word of their testimony, the testifying of, 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 of uh, the goodness of God. I can tell you, I've been pastoring for a long time now and uh, it, it never gets old when I see and I'm reminded that the gospel still works that it's not an old-fashioned story, it's not something from just 2,000 years ago, but today in 2023, it is still the power to save. It is still the power to change lives. It's still the power to take people from darkness and bring them into the kingdom of light. And so we celebrate that today, that, 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 that the gospel is good news for everyone, for everyone. Have you ever had a moment in your life where you said, man, this changes everything? You ever had a moment like that? Like, I don't know, you know, what some of you may say or how you might answer that question. Maybe for some of you, it's like a piece of technology, you know, or, or something. How many of y'all know that in 2000, 2007, when the iPhone hit the market, that was a moment that changed everything? I was thinking this week as I was, as I was looking at that question in my notes, I was thinking about how for most of human history, people lived without air conditioning. And I was like, how in the world? Again, as I'm driving my car that doesn't have air conditioning right now, I'm working on it, okay, but... I had to drive just up to Home Depot on Plum Drive, and I was drenched. Like, I, it was embarrassing. And, uh, and so I, I was thinking about how did people live like this for, for the majority of human history? Like, how many of y'all know that when air conditioning was invented, that was a moment that changed everything? Indoor plumbing, like all the, all the stuff, the Industrial Revolution, it changed everything. Maybe for some of you, it was like a meal you ate, you know, like you had something really good to eat and you're like, oh my goodness, I thought I knew what good food was, but this is really good stuff, you know? Um, I think I've shared this before, but I remember uh, my life being changed forever the first time I ever ate at a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. <laughs> I could not believe, I was like, where, where, where has this been all my life? The problem is when you have to pay for it, and him, I know that's a moment that changes everything as well. <laughs> you got to move money from savings over to cover it. I don't know what your moment was. Maybe it was somebody you met. Maybe love at first sight. Everything just changes. It flips. Maybe it was a triumph. Maybe it was a tragedy. Maybe it was a close call with death that woke you up to what matters most in life. You know, you have those kind of near-death experiences, and you're like, wow, like, I need to get my life right. Changed everything. Many of us have experienced times in our lives that essentially changed everything where the moment was so significant that there was no going back to who you were before. Maybe it was a pain or a trauma of some kind. Maybe it was when you got married. Maybe it was when you had a child. I remember in 2016, going with my wife to the doctor's office, um, 
and that ultrasound technician letting us know there, that there wasn't one baby, there was two babies in there. How many of y'all know that was a moment in my life that like changed everything? <laughs> I didn't like speak for a week, you know? It was, it was complete shock, complete shock. And so I tell you all that because, you know, we're here today to celebrate the life change that only Jesus can bring. The transformation that only he can bring, the transforming power of the blood of Jesus to take us from sin and darkness and bring us into the kingdom of light. Today, we cheer on and we celebrate with some people their decision to go public with their faith through water baptism. It's where we get to celebrate the moment in their life that really changed everything for them. The moment where they realized that the love of Jesus was for them. The moment when they fully understood that Jesus did something for them in their life that they could have never done for themselves. The moment where Jesus took upon himself all of our penalty and all of our sin that has to be paid for, and he paid the price. One of my favorite scriptures I've shared several times around here is Romans 6, 23. Paul writes and he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Powerful, it's classic. So many people have that verse memorized. I like what Paul says here here, because he says the wages of sin or the payment for sin, the paycheck you receive for your sin, he says, is death. But what I love about that verse more than any, any other part of it is I love that there's a comma right there. I love that it doesn't end in a period. I love that that's not the rest of the, or the end of the story, but that there's more that Paul says here. He, he says, look, like the wages of sin is death, but the good news is that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, man, there is this free gift of eternal life and it's not in just doing a bunch of good works. It's not in just being a good person who you know, maybe, maybe leaves this, this world better than you found it. It's not about that. Paul is saying, look, there is hope, there is good news, but it is only found in surrendering yourself to Jesus and receiving the free gift that only he can bring. It's not in just being a good person and you know, ha- having you know, uh, uh, you know, a kind of a strong moral ethic. It's about being surrendered to the way of Jesus and making him king of your life and Lord of your life. What I'm sharing with you this morning is called the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the cataclysmic moment in human history that changed things forever. The moment when, think about it, when both hell, uh, heaven and hell alike understood that this changes everything forever. Like they both understood. The moment when Jesus, the perfect sinless sacrifice, chose to lay down his life to suffer and to die and to be the perfect substitute for my sins and yours, the sins of mankind, so that you and I could go from death to life. And so much of the reason why baptism is so significant and why I love bringing it into a service like this is because baptism is, 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 is a picture. Instead of hearing the gospel taught or spoken, this is where you get to witness the gospel. This is where you get to see it with your own eyes. This is where you get to see the, the, the symbolism of, of those who are being buried really in their sin under the water and brought up by a power that is not their own, resurrected to life by a power that is not their own. In Colossians chapter two, the apostle Paul writes this and he says, going under the water, was a burial of your old life. That's what baptism is. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. 
God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. That's what we're doing here, is we're remembering the significance of Jesus. So it is symbolic, right? The, the water isn't magical. There's nothing special. This is, you know, Urbandale water, tap water. It's, it's, uh, there's nothing spiritual about it. It's the symbol, right? It's the symbol of being buried with our old life in Christ and being raised uh, by a power that's not our own. And we follow Jesus in his model. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, right, by John the Baptist. We follow him in this, in this very sacred, uh, very, very uh, powerful uh, manner of, of surrendering to the way of God. So um, this, is, this is really the vehicle that the church has used for 2,000 years to let everybody know that they're a follower of Jesus. Because, because Christianity was always intended to be shared and public. But something's happened, especially in the West, where it's become personal and private. And, and this is just our way of, of just encouraging everyone, like, hey, look, like, don't, don't kind of, don't fall into the, the way of culture where we just kind of keep this thing hidden and keep it so personal. We don't talk about religion and politics and all that stuff. Like, no, no, this is who we are. It informs every part of our life. And for 2,000 years, Christianity has, 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 has been intended to be something that is shared with a family. You're not supposed to do it on your own. Christianity was never intended to be walked out in isolation. It's meant to be a shared faith, and it's meant to be public. And so that's why we do this here, here today. I'm going to have you stand with me. Uh, no, I'm not, actually. I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong part of the service. Um, I'm used to doing that when I'm done speaking. So, you know, um, we're going to continue on with some testimonies and some, and some baptisms. Um, this is also the time of, of, of the year at these fifth Sundays where we also want to highlight um, some of the great things God has done through the ministry here at the church. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, man, the board and the elders have intentionally over the last several years uh, chosen to take 10% of every dollar that comes in uh, to this church, and we, we give it out right away. It goes out the doors. Uh, we, don't, we don't keep it for ourselves. It doesn't go to, to any overhead cost. It just it goes to help people. It doesn't, it doesn't cover any, uh, really any internal ministries. It doesn't cover youth ministry or children's ministry or adult stuff. Um, it doesn't keep the lights on. It goes out the door to help people. And uh, there are several ministries that we partner with, those around the world and those here locally. And uh, I want you to go ahead and check out this video of a couple of those ministries uh, that we are uh, very, very uh, happy to partner with as Emily uh, gets ready to come. Amen. I always say, like a few years ago, I didn't know that leading a food pantry would be on my resume, but it is now, and it's been exciting to see how God has um, just provided for us in so many ways. Um, so Ellie has a big day today because she's going to help me out with a testimony today, but then she's also getting baptized. So she's um, just such an honor to have pastored her through um, Powerhouse Kids and New Point Kids. And then as her family has been helping with the pantry, I often say now that the Smith family, the five of them, could run the pantry without any of the rest of us. So, um, but we have um, Tony Jones praised with our family's 
during the week on Wednesdays, he takes his lunch hour. We heard a little bit about that the last time um, that we had a fifth Sunday. But um, over the last couple months, Ellie has partnered with Tony, and she gets here, and she's like, where is Tony at? Okay, what cars has he already been to? But Ellie has a special gift on her life for sure and an anointing to pray with others and to um, just listen to their heart and meet them where they are and encourage them to look to Jesus. So she's going to share a little bit about that today. So um, what is one of your favorite things about helping at the food pantry? Um, It's probably getting to hear the stories that people tell me about me getting to pray and then just how thankful people are when they get the food. Because some people, like, I don't even have to ask them if they want prayer. They recognize me and they already tell me what they want for prayer. And then Tony always ask me, do you want to pray for them or do you want me to? So I kind of stole Tony's job. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I'm just really happy that I get to do this and I get, and Tony was helpful and shared it with me. That's awesome. So what are some things that people might ask for prayer for when you're at Um, the cars? So this, this one happened kind of a long time ago, but I've had it in my head for a while, and my mom was helping me remember it so I could share it at this time. And it was this guy got his tool stolen, and that was his job and, like, his accessories and everything he needs for it. And I, f- I felt really bad, but I didn't really know what to say at that time. And so then I kind of asked God, and I was like, I don't know what to say. Can you help me out? Um, And then he helped me. So he helped me to get a little, like, the person who stole his tools to help them to get a change of heart. And so I prayed for the guy who stole the tools and him that he'll get it back. That is so awesome. Um, So Ellie's had a ton of um, experiences like this. And then also, sometimes people are like, no thanks, I don't have anything to pray for. And then what do you do? Um, well, I still ask them for their name, and I. And some people say that they don't need prayer, and you can kind of tell how they just don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, I haven't had that happen so much, but it has happened a few times, and I... I still want to pray for them, so I pray for them, like, before I go to bed or stuff like that, because I know that everybody needs, like, a prayer, even if they feel well and good, so that can keep going. Awesome. So I have seen many times people are like, no thanks, or I don't really have anything to pray for, and then Ellie's like, you know what, I'll just pray for you anyway. (laughs) Um, There's got to be something, right? And I love Ellie started taking a notebook out there, too, and writing down people's prayer requests so that she could pray for them during the week. So my last question for you is, um, how would you encourage other people, even adults, sometimes it can be scary to pray for other people, but how do you have boldness, or what helps you to want to pray for other people? Well, I, like, some t- I get scared, and so- stuff happens with me sometimes. So if I pray for other people, it really just takes away what happens to me, and then I can, I don't, like, worry for other people, but I feel sad and what stories they tell me. I mean, I do feel sad, so I just encourage other people to do that. And a guy had, like, 
a friend who had a younger daughter who was only like five years old and already had cancer and was in the hospital and was about to die. Mia was with me at that time. She asked me and she said, um, do you want to come, do you, can I come up and pray with you? And I was like, yeah, I want other people to pray with me. And, um, we, I started to cry a little bit because I felt really sad and I was just, a five-year-old girl about to die just is really sad. Yeah, but you have such a boldness and Ellie's not the only one. There are several other kids that are jumping up to the cars, um, going out there and just boldly declaring that God can move in people's lives. And if you don't believe that God can move in your life, have a nine-year-old. <laughs> Okay, a nine-year-old, come up to your car and boldly declare peace in your life, and I promise you your perspective will change. So, Ellie, we're so proud of you, and thank you for sharing today, and thank you for encouraging others to do the same thing. Thank you. You're awesome. I mean, right? Like, we had another volunteer recently. She's like, I just prayed with a car for the first time. And she's an adult, and it is a big step. And so Ellie's setting a great example, and Mia and Kinley for all of us that are there. So um, this is Jeff Meese. He's one of our um, board members and elders here at New Point, And he's going to share a little bit today about volunteering and kind of the aspect of going all in and um, what it mean, impact it's made for you. Definitely. That's a tough act to follow. But you want to ask why I volunteer? I mean, that... That right there, that moment when we get to be a part of those little kids' lives and they impact the world. Um, but to a greater story, I, I get asked all the time, what's my motivation for volunteering and all the things that I do? And, you know, I, I thought of three instances in my life that have impacted it. Uh, one, early on in my church career, a church consultant shared that probably the number one factor to get people to visit a church again is the welcome team. Not the sermon, not the music, but the people who help them park, greet them at the door, point them in the direction of the bathroom and the coffee and those things. That's the impact where you can really get people to help grow a church. And it, it just had such an impact on me because I realized, oh my gosh, I'm doing more than just opening a door. I'm doing more than pointing to the restroom. I'm helping someone feel welcome at a church. I'm helping them feel like they belong here. And that's, you know, a motivation that I hope you guys take from it as well. Second part, um, there was a family, it was a couple years ago, where for whatever reason they just stopped attending church. And, you know, life happens to so many people that you miss a Sunday, you miss a couple weeks, it's suddenly been a couple months since you've been to church. And they shared that they were driving by church one day and their son, who was oh, eight or nine, said, oh, why don't we go to church anymore? I miss it. That was fun. I miss my friends. And the mom was like, whoa. I didn't realize the impact we were having on our family, and they came back to church. And I realized the stuff, the silly, stupid things I do on Wednesday for VBS, all that stuff, creates fun that brings the kids, that brings the family. So as you want to have impact in church, well, I, I don't know that I could pray over somebody. I don't know that I could, you know, do all this stuff open a door, be there for the kids, be there for the families. And I would say probably the, the third reason I volunteer is, you know what, someone asked me, and I said yes. Someone simply came up and said, hey, would you help out? And I was like, sure, what do you want me to do? I, I, you know, I have no background, but what can I do? 
and you can be a part of the church family. So that's, that's my challenge to you guys this morning. You have been asked to serve, to help out. Talk to Emily for the serve team. Talk to Matt and Laura for the youth. Talk to Heidi for the elementary. Be a part of the church family because you have such an impact, more than you realize because the people that come through these doors, sit in these chairs, you are the underlying background, the volunteers that help make this church what it is. Awesome. We usually say Jeff's going for a volunteer of the year, so I'm like, hey, one more thing, one more thing. Do you really want the spot? Do you want the top spot? <laughs> no. Yes. But I'm it is keeping so that title. It is so true. So along with serving is the impact that it makes on you, but also a way that we around New Point build community. As you work together on a team, as you help others, um, you grow in relationship with them, you know um, different things about their lives, you can check in with them. And so just another way um, that we do community around here. So thanks for sharing, Jeff. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, and we have Lori Homer coming up. She's also an elder um, at our church. But every Sunday when we share messages here, we hope and pray that um, it makes an impact on you, right? So a lot of times Pastor Jordan will get emails from people in the congregation, you know, this meant so much to me, or this is what I hope to change in my life because God has me thinking that way. Um, And so after I spoke the last time, Lori reached out to me and she said, hey, um, I have um, just something to share with the church, a next step that I took after hearing your message and way that I could impact other people. So, Yeah, so good morning. Um, Yeah, so Emily spoke on compassion. I don't know if you were here for that. I think like second week of July, first week of July. Um, And there was a quote that she put up on the screen, and I think we have it back there on the screen. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So it said this, uh, the truth is that 143 million orphan children and 11 million who starve to death or die from preventable diseases and 8.5 million who work as child slaves, prostitutes, or under other horrific conditions, and the 2.3 million who live with HIV add up to 164.8 million needy children. And though that at first glance, that looks like a big number, 2.1 billion people on this earth claim to be Christians. And the truth is that only 8% of the Christians would care for, if only 8% of the Christians would care for one more child, there would not be any statistics left. So I was like, whoa. And, you know, those of you who know Tim and I were involved in lots of ministries and we're generous with our time and our um, finances also, but I was like, Okay, I am going to be part of the one, the eight <laughs> percent. And, uh, and Emily, I, t- I talk a lot, and and she has a, her new mantra is how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. And I'm like, well, this is something that's like that one elephant, an elephant one bite at a time. So um, that next week, I decided to look into um, how to sponsor some children, and so I looked on some websites, and I ended up sponsoring two children. And I think we have their photos up here. This is Vivian. Um, I believe she's five or six. She's from Uganda. Her parents don't work. And then the other young man, I'm going to have a hard time saying his name, but I think it's Mogongo or something like that. He's also five or six, and he's from Uganda. So um, I happen to go through World Vision. I'm not promoting that particularly, but you can look 
online uh, for that, for good, com for good sponsorship issues. And then um, also we um, support um, Inter Hope International is that in South Sorry. Africa. Restoring Hope International, yeah. So I know they also um, are looking for sponsors of children. So uh, the cost is about $40 a month per child. And so you know me, I'm always uh, pushing the envelope just a little bit. So here's what $40 buys us, guys, in our, in our world. Some things, a few things. Uh, maybe three Domino's pizzas, a month of tanning, half a round of golf, uh, 10 or so or less Starbucks drinks, one night at the movies for two people, one pedicure, a half of um, maybe most concert tickets these days. I haven't gone for a while. Three months of Netflix or your other TV prescription, subscription, excuse me. <laughs> Lunch out, um, maybe for two or three people. Uh, we went out yesterday to Waterfront. It was way more than $40. And we had the specials, so. Uh, one steak. That's it. Um, sporting tickets, sporting event tickets, probably one or less of those. One week of groceries for some of us. And uh, four or so Chick-fil-A meals. So I think you guys get the idea. Um, if you can't do that, if you're already sponsoring a child, great. Um, if you can't afford it, partner with another person and each do 20. Um, do something. Um, and then I have a quote here from James. He says, pure... And genuine religion is in the sight of God. The Father means coming for orphans and widows in their um, distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's James 1.27. So thanks for letting me share. Amen. So we can all do our part. We can all, um, yeah, just focus on someone other than ourselves sometimes. And um, it is a little sacrifice, but that is what God calls us to do. So um, earlier I did tell someone, I was like, Lori adopted two kids, but I adopted was the wrong word because sponsored, sponsored. <laughs> People were confused. So, um, yeah, so if you can't actually adopt a ch child, you can help, and there are different ways to do that. So um, we have one more um, testimony that Pastor Jordan is going to share, and then we will be on with our baptisms have the worship team can go ahead and start getting ready um, as we transition in the service. But uh, my family and I recently just had the opportunity to go down to uh, Southwest Florida, uh, the Fort Myers area. We spent a week there uh, on vacation and uh, something about the beach and the sun, right? It, it, it's just uh, medicine uh, for the soul. But we were down there and uh, uh, we were meeting, we, we had, went and had dinner one night with, with some friends um, uh, that live down there and um, if you guys remember last year in September, uh, Hurricane Ian hit the Southwest Florida area uh, pretty hard, and our church uh, opened up a disaster relief fund and, and uh, just invited anybody. There was no pressure, but if you want to, if you want to help support this, I feel like maybe we should. And, and we actually had a lot of money come in. It was like around thirty thousand dollars, and I mean, we we helped a lot. We we had a, a former member of our church uh, has a a home down there, and. Uh, and so we would be talking, and because uh, we didn't want to just give it to an organization, we wanted to give it to needs that we knew about and heard about. And so he was kind of like an investigator. So he would, he would, he's like, I think I heard of somebody. I'm going to go find their house and just see. And so he would drive over there and find out, like, well, they need like beds and whatever. And so, man, he would, he would like show up with with that, or he'd help figure out how to arrange that. And um, and so we just kind of stayed in, in in touch. 
Um, but then we, 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 he started getting to the point where he was like, I don't know. And, and we had like $9,000 left and we weren't really sure what to do with it. And so, uh, but we wanted to give it to people and stories we heard. And so there was a couple of pastors down there uh, and their churches were hit. So we gave a couple thousand to each church. And then we had like $5,000 uh, left over. And so my wife, wife was talking to her friend one day on the phone and, and uh, her friend Monique said that there was this, this family in their church and they lost everything, like everything. And insurance wasn't gonna cover. It was something about like hurricane insurance and flood insurance and the difference between them. And, uh, and so they literally had to just rebuild uh, with nothing. And, and I was like, man, like maybe we can send them, send them some support. And so, but we didn't know what was going on is that um, at their church, they had just had a missionary come through uh, a young woman who uh, was going to uh, a closed country uh, in the Middle East where uh, it's a Muslim uh, nation and you can't share the gospel. You know, they, they couldn't even tell them which country she was going to. And this, this family that lost everything attended this church and, and they, were, they, they felt the spirit of God move upon their heart and uh, to, to give money to this missionary. I mean, they've lost everything. And so they, they decided uh, to be obedient and they wrote this check and uh, it was for uh, the exact amount that, that we sent them. We sent them the $5,000 the week that they gave that check and, and gave it to this missionary. That very week, the check from New Point came to them. Uh, and uh, uh, it was just, it's just amazing. It's just like only God, right? And there was just something about following the Lord in obedience where he, he's always good and he's always faithful. He's a good father. He takes care of us, but he does stretch us. And when we walk in obedience, we, can, we see things happen that we would not normally see. We see miracles happen. We see things that, that, that just do not make sense. We see God stretching resources. And so I, I love this story because uh, you're a part of that. Uh, we're a part of this, a family that none of us have, I've never even met them, down there in, in Florida. And they are, you talk about church as a family, they're part of our family, brothers and sisters down there who were going through a time of need and some people at a small church in Urbandale, Iowa gave some money, whether it was 50 bucks or 100 bucks, some of you, and, and uh, it went to really uh, not fix their entire situation, but it grew their faith in a huge way. Uh, and, and, you know, like, like we're, we're a part of that and that's, that's enormous. Um, can we just give God a hand on that? Come on. Would you stand up with me? We're gonna uh, we're gonna roll back into a time of uh, singing together uh, as our baptismal candidates uh, change their clothes. Uh, look, uh, there's something about baptisms that are that that, that uh, make other people wish they would have signed up. The water's warm. Uh, I've baptized people in in like all their clothes before. Um, they weren't planning on getting baptized, suit and all, whatever. And uh, look. Follow the Lord in obedience today. If that's you, if that's something you're supposed to do. We got towels, I think. We got, we got the sun to dry you out. It'll be good. But uh, uh, Father, we come to you today. We lift high the name of Jesus. There's no better name. There's no sweeter name than the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And God, I pray that no matter what our expectations were today that we came in here with, you would far surpass them. God, I just ask that anybody who's here today discouraged or, or struggling or dealing with something that's 
beyond themselves, bigger than they know what to do with. Father, that in this room there would be hope, that you'd be the lifter of every head in this place today where there's discouragement. Father, I pray for every person who, who, whose faith uh, is maybe um, turned off or turned down right now. I pray for fresh fire. Just light a fire in them again today. I pray that, that uh, yeah, that match would, would strike. That we'd walk out of here today just, just uh, so full of faith in a God who can do anything, in a God who can do the impossible, in a gospel that still works in 2023. And Lord, I pray that today wouldn't just be a Sunday morning at church, but it'd be a time where every single one of us in this place, we came face to face with God, the living God of the universe. I pray, God, that you would begin to just move in our life, move in our hearts, affect us, change the way that we live. We give you high praise today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.